that we didn't get to, um, and we'll glance at those before we get into today's study. As soon as, uh, as soon as he gets done handing those out, we'll go ahead and open in prayer and we'll get started this morning. Oh, wow, I printed exactly the correct number. Excellent. So Jim doesn't get one. <laughs> Terry's got one, though. She'll, she'll let him see. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you again for today, and I thank you once again for the many blessings that you give us. I thank you for the privilege of having your word. Um, Lord, I, I can't even begin to imagine um, as I'm studying this that... Uh, that Paul, Silas, and Timothy came to Thessalonica and were there for three weeks, shared the gospel, and left. And there was immediately fruit being produced. And, uh, Lord, it makes me think how, how little I've done. Uh, and so, Lord, I, I pray that this challenges us today. And, uh, and I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week, um, you know, we, we were finishing up with... with the um, the work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I had made the comment that genuine faith always produces action. It always it always leads to some sort of action. And uh, one of the passages that was still in your notes from last week was Romans chapter one verse five. Um, we'll take a look at that before we go on to to 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, 4. Um, and, I, and I go to this particular verse often when people talk to me about how it's only grace that saves us. We don't have to do anything. That is true in the context of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But then in the context of Ephesians 2.10, he says that it should motivate you. Or we are his cre workmanship created in Christ to do good works. So the work that Christ did for us should motivate us to do things for him in return. And that is the message of the gospel of Christ. So in Romans 1.5, he says, Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience of that comes from faith for his name's sake. And so there's, there's obedience that has to accompany faith to, to demonstrate salvation that has come to our lives and also to motivate us to offer and display that to those that are around us. Now, also in your notes is Romans 16, 25 through 27. You don't have to turn there because we're going to look at it in a, again in a few minutes um, with the, the following verses in First Thessalonians. But if you turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and we look at verse 11, and this is a prayer um, that Paul and Timothy and Silas, he says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling 
and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Um, so if we say that we have faith, James 2, you can go ahead and start turning there. If we say we have faith and we don't have deeds to accompany that faith, um, we've, we've mentioned this many times in the last few weeks, our faith is dead. Um, does anybody know what the word death or dead by definition means? Separation, right. It means separated from God. So when the physical body dies, the spirit is separated from the physical body, and the body is empty. And so when we say that our faith is dead, it's unproductive. It's like John 15 when he says that the, the branches that are dead are cut off and burned in the fire. Um, so if our faith, if what we say about our faith <clears throat> that I don't have to do works where we deceive ourselves by saying that. Um, and it's not that you're working for your salvation, but you're working because of your salvation, because you want other people to know. So like what Sherry read in Jude a couple weeks ago uh, before the service, if we, if we really understand the wrath and, and the fire that hell and how... how uh, how much suffering it's going to bring wow it should motivate us and, and and the way i think about this and this kind of as i was studying this i don't know if you've ever been in a in a room or in a situation where um all of a sudden and wayne i'm sure you can relate to this very quickly and easily all of a sudden there's a an, a reality of the understanding of how much danger you're in in a per certain situation and the hair on the back of your neck stands up i think if we really understood hell we'd probably feel that way almost all the time when we're around people that don't know the gospel or haven't heard uh, you know and that kind of thing so i don't know about you but I've, i there have been times i don't know if any of you guys have ever come into the church in the middle of the night <laughs> and you hear noises <laughs> and Wayne's shaking his head no he goes you don't know that until you've been on a ship that moans and groans as it goes through the water all the time you know <laughs> right but there have been times where I walked into a church building you know late at night or or in the middle of the night to do whatever it's not always you know for a specific usually it's because I yeah yeah something like that it's usually something like that and I walk in and if you ever just stop and you be still and listen you know there's there's always stories about oh church buildings are haunted and this and that and and I don't believe in that stuff you know I don't uh, but there are times when you walk in and you'll hear something and you know and you'll wonder am I in here by myself and the and the hair just kind of stands up that's that's the kind of uh, urgency about the gospel message that the writers bring when they're talking to and, and and the question I always have is when Paul went to Thessalonica did he know that he only had three weeks that he only was going to be there for three weeks did he know that and so anyway before I get too far ahead of myself let's go ahead and read James 2 we'll read verses 14 through 26 and uh, I, I hear this passage misused often, you know, as, as leaders of churches are trying to motivate people to do the things that need to be done. Um, and that's not the goal 
um, behind this. It's a, the goal is to move close enough to Christ and to move uh, in our understanding of the gospel that our desire becomes to serve Christ and serve others. So he says, what good is it, my brother and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? If we answer that question accurately, what is the answer? No, it can't. And there's examples of that throughout the Bible. Yeah, that's true. He said they're led to believe that it can. And so there are different religions, you can call them, that, that will tell people if you don't do these things, you're not saved or you can't be saved. So he says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So when I read that, that passage, go in peace, be be well fed, um, keep warm, I think about our prayer requests. Lord, this is what I want to happen for this person over here. But don't ask, you know, but as our, our actions saying, don't ask me to do anything about it. You know, and so that's something that I've had to learn. And I learned it here by, by listening and, and, and talking to people and opening the scripture up with them. And I used to always pray, Lord, I pray for this person. I pray for this, this and this and this. And I had all of this list of requests. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, uh, having those genuine concerns. But when we approach the throne of God, he asks us, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to allow me to use you in that place? If, if I choose to, that's a, hard, that's a harder question to answer. And so anyway, um, verse 18, he says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith, without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. A.K.A. in today's language, actions speak louder than words. Don't tell me you're a Christian if you're not going to act like a Christian. You know, um, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the, de- even the demons believe that, and they shudder. I, I go to verse. I believe in God. Great. <laughs> everybody in hell does too (laughs) so where does that leave us you know uh anyway you foolish person verse 20 do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless was not our father abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son isaac on the altar you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body is As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. 
So <clears throat> when we say that we have hope in Christ, um, this, is, this is a firm confidence in Christ and a firm confidence in his return. And it's also a firm confidence in knowing that there is a place called hell that was not made for people initially, but where people will end up if they choose not to follow Christ. And, the, and the, I think, you know, Wednesday night, Chris brought up the question, don't we need to share more love? Don't we need to express God's love? That absolutely has to be a part of it. And that's one area of my life that I've been lacking. And, and, and I was tested in that this week, you know, because I've been memorizing, I told you guys with Leo, uh, Ephesians, 1, uh, Ephesians 4 and verses 1 and 2. And verse 2 says, be completely humble, be gentle, be patient, uh, bearing with one another in love. And so, and so what happens this week? I've had a couple instances where those things had to be chosen and put into practice in a difficult situation. And, and so as, as we move in that direction, those are the kind of things that will come up, not because, not because necessarily that we're in a bad place, but because those are the things that bring maturity in our life is to be allowed to be put into situations that require that behavior and help us to see how evil I can quickly become if I don't keep a tight rein on the things that the scripture says about my life and about what Christ wants. So, um, so starting in verse 4, this is where the notes uh, that I gave you pick up in 1 Thessalonians. So in, uh, we'll just read verses 4, 5, and 6 today right for right now. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So when he says, for we know, this is not the same Greek word that Jim has been referencing uh, in Colossians and, and previously in Ephesians. Uh, gnosis or gnosko is what he's been calling it. And it's an experiential know. Paul is, and Silas and Timothy are looking at their reactions and hearing what is being said about them, Paul and Timothy and Silas all have a, an experiential know, knowledge, but now they see the gospel message goes out and, and the people in Thessalonica are in a severe trial. He, he says later um, in verse 6, they're in a severe trial and there is a dramatic change. And it's so obvious that as he writes this letter back, he's, he's genuinely concerned that after he leaves, that they may change back. That, that their faith is not firm and solid enough. Um, and they may be easily swayed. So the first letter, this letter that he writes back to them, is an encouragement because he's hearing good things. He's hearing that there's being fruit produced. He's hearing that they are following and, and enduring through what he taught them in that short period of time. And so 
I, I picture this as being difficult for Paul to understand uh, because how long did Paul, um, how long did he fall under Jesus' teaching before he was sent out? Excuse me, three years one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and it was 10 years of preparation before he actually went out on his first missionary journey. So he shows up to Thessalonica, spends three weeks with them, and boom, there is such a dramatic change that I, I would presume that the persecution probably went through the roof. And at the same time, they continue to endure. They continue to encourage one another. So when he says, for we know, it's not the same Greek word for knowledge as experiential knowledge. Paul is and Timothy and Silas are receiving the information and observing the things that are going on. And the reason for their assurance regarding the response to the gospel is stated in verses 5 through 10. And we'll get to those uh, as we continue on. You can read them on your own if you want to. Um, but they, they responded with an indisputable proof of their salvation. And so he calls them brothers and sisters. Uh, the, the Greek word, if you can pronounce that, is written there, A-D-E-L-P-H-O-I. And this, this appears 15 times in the first Thessalonians and seven times in second Thessalonians. Um, the writers don't claim superiority over the Christians at Thessalonica. Um, they, they recognize the equality of, of all the redeemed in the sight of God. And so when we get to the words loved and chosen, um, it's easy to look at that in verse 4 and say, well, God loves them, but does he love me? Does God love everyone? Yeah, he loves everyone. He died for all. Um, and he, he offers salvation to all who believe and so that word love there is not a, a segregation of love so the words love and chosen are both words that speak of god's electing electing love so if we look at colossians 1:12, he says this in a number of other letters to different uh different churches as well and we, we're not even going to come close to covering them all, but we'll look at a couple. He says, I did not receive, let's start in 11, so we have the whole picture here. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, you're right, I'm in Galatians. Wrong, wrong book, sorry about that. I knew there wasn't something right about what I was reading, so... Um, yeah, let's back up to, let's back up and start with in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And uh, so I read a lot more there than, than what was there. But <clears throat> this is the offer goes out to every individual. And if we, if we go to, let's jump to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Go back just a few pages from where you're at in Colossians. Yeah, Ephesians 1, 4. We're actually, we'll start in verse 3. And we'll read through a few of these verses here. In, uh, we'll read through 6. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So anyone who chooses to be in Christ has the, the free access to his love. And so... It's, it's, it's something for, you know, our finite minds sometimes is, is difficult to understand. But at the same time, you know, we go back to creation. And, and as we study this, and as we read this, it's easy to see that God at creation is able to look across time from beginning to end all the way through and not manipulate my choices, but already know what my choices are going to be. And so... When we say things like he knows the number of our ha the hairs on our head and things like that, we go, wow, okay, that's, that's pretty impressive. But not only that, is he knows the things that I'm going to choose. I know, it's easy. Shh, you be quiet. It's easy when you got a head like this. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, when you think about from birth to death, the number of hairs that you've had, you know, God knows all that. And it's not that he, he changes or manipulates your, your decisions or your choices or the circumstances around you, but he gives you everything you need to endure under it and to understand what he wants to do through it. And, uh, and so that picture is, is all throughout the gospel message. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll take a quick look at that one. verses 13 through 17. And this is the, these, these are the kind of passages that help us to be motivated to do the work that God has called us to. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings that we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal life, gave us eternal encouragement. Thank you. And good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. As, yeah. 
So, uh, I'm going to hold that question until later because uh, I don't want to get off this subject. Uh, well, I do have it down. I just I, I keep wanting to jump ahead and jump ahead and jump ahead. So I got to make sure I don't do that. Um, but yeah, so he includes in all three of these passages that we just read, brothers and sisters. So um, you might have some uh, translations of the Bible that just say brethren or brothers. And, and it's easy to misinterpret that into not including the women who are following the Lord. And so it's important to understand that that Greek word for brothers and sisters, um, this is talking about every follower of Jesus Christ. That eternal encouragement should, should branch out and extend to every single one of them. And at the same time, the, the work that's being done should be inclusive to everyone who wants to follow Christ. And so if we go back to 1 Thessalonians and we look at verse 5, He says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. Um, so in your notes that I have down there, because, of, because our gospel, the gospel preached by Paul, Timothy, and Silas, which originated with God the Father, um, making sure that the credit goes back to God the Father, through Jesus Christ, through Paul, through the apostles, to us. And so there's, there is a, an order to how it comes. Now we see Paul mention in a number of his letters, my gospel. Why does he call it his gospel? Anybody know? We just, we just said, how many years did he spend in the wilderness? In, Jesus gave Paul direct marching orders, and he says, I'm laying it on your shoulders to make sure that every Gentile, make sure that every Gentile gets the message of the gospel. Oh, and by the way, you will reveal to the whole world the mysteries about the rapture and about, uh, uh, you know, there's a number of mysteries that are described that are now revealed, and they're revealed only through Paul. So that's that's a big part of the reason why he's able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And I've heard pastors use that in error, saying, I follow Paul, Paul follows Christ, we all follow Christ, now you guys follow me. I've, I've not met anybody in this world that has the faithfulness of Jesus or of Paul. I, I know if I told you to follow me, I know that there would be times when somebody would, would see me make a mistake. Not because I want to, but because I'm just not, I'm not there yet. Um, and so it, it's possible that could happen. So our reference is always to follow the scripture. The scripture that is ordained by God, given through Jesus Christ, displayed through his life lived. And then Jesus says, tells Paul, make sure you do this and write it down so that everybody sees it. And so... Um, so the gospel that's preached, if we go to Romans 16, we see Paul give that acknowledgement directly. Romans 16, 25 through 27. <clears throat> so the first three words, now to him who is him. It's Jesus Christ. 
him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So Paul is not bragging when he says, through my gospel, what he's saying is, I'm just repeating what was told for me to do. And, and that's all I can boast in. The glory goes to God. The message of the gospel is Jesus Christ crucified and rose from the dead. Um, in that, that's a short, really, really condensed uh, story. And he says, give God the praise and the glory for it. So if we go to Romans 1.16, in this same letter, Yes. In 1 Thessalonians, we're talking about the power coming through the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So can we share the gospel message with someone without using scripture okay so there's a number of places where we read in the bible if what i teach doesn't match up with the bible don't listen so I, I listened to a podcast of a of a gentleman on uh, that had the opportunity. He was he was some uh, Jehovah's Witnesses came to the door, and it was such a struggle for them. He said the the gentleman looked at the guy. And he says, "I have to ask this question first. The gentleman that owned the house. Yeah, he says I have to ask this question first. He says." Are you willing to let the Scripture tell us what is true and allow the Scripture to change our belief system and what we think? And the guy says, yeah, okay. And so then they sit down and they open the Bible. And he said, the reason why I asked that, he said, if the answer is no, I'm going to tell you to get up and leave now. He said, not because I don't want to talk to you, but because I love you. And he goes to Luke, and, and, and I think it's Luke, um, that where, where Jesus says, he, and I'm summarizing because I don't remember exactly what the passage says. I was working while I was listening to it, but I was going, ooh, man, that, that's a good word. But anyway, uh, he says, because if we open the scripture and there's an understanding of truth and you, re you deny it, the place in hell for you is going to be worse than what it is right now. And that's what he gives him. And it's like, whoa, that's, that's bold speaking there. And, and because he already knew that they didn't agree on everything, 
And, and this gentleman was acknowledging, he's, he was saying the same about himself. He's saying, if I misunderstand truth, misinterpret truth, and I don't really dig and study, he said the same is true for me. He said, so if we go into Scripture and find out either one of us is wrong or both of us are wrong and we don't allow the Scripture to change our mind, the place in hell gets hotter for us or for whoever denies the truth. So, you know, as I was listening to that, I was like, wow, that makes me want to go out and witness. <laughs> go out and witness. Let me share the gospel with you. Let me expose you to the truth. You know, and so the devil can even use that to say, well, if you tell them about Christ, their, their suffering's got to increase. Well, no. All, all that means is, is we've done what we're supposed to do in Christ to share the gospel and give them the opportunity to make the choice. And they have to make that choice. Right. And they, then they choose that spot in hell that they don't choose. Right. And, and so, right, right. And so, um, I, I skipped a line in the notes th that I wanted to mention was that when Paul is teaching this and when the, the disciples, the apostles are teaching this as well, Paul came from a place as a Pharisee okay, where he was very knowledgeable of the Old Testament, he was knowledgeable of the Scripture, uh, persecuted the church even to where he was executing people who followed Christ, to flip completely where he could consider all followers of Christ equals with him before God. And so uh, down in, towards the bottom of your notes, you see the questions, did the gospel radically change your life? Paul is describing in, in 1 Thessalonians how the gospel radically changed the people in Thessalonica's life. And, and it was obvious to the people around them that, that the gospel message had changed them. So if we look at, uh, real quickly, um, the Holy Spirit brought it home in their hearts with deep conviction. So John 15, uh, 26 and 27, and then into John 16, tells us, Jesus tells the disciples specifically what the Holy Spirit will do. And this is after he describes to them, if you remain in me and my love remains in you, then you are mine. You, are, you have been grafted in. You've been... Uh, included in the message. So starting in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 26 and 27, he says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Excuse me, if you jump down to chapter 16, verse 8. When he comes, he will, prove to the, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And so, good morning. So the, the Holy Spirit works in the people's lives in Thessalonica with so much power 
that it's obvious. Um, and the power comes when we, when we fully surrender to the obedience um, that, that comes as a result. So not only did they uh, preach a convincing message, but they lived fully consistent with that message. Truth and love. So when we look at, you know, we don't have to turn there, but we're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, it doesn't envy. It keeps no record of wrongs. And, and the list goes on and on and on. And if, and if I give the truth without love, what's it like? Say that again? It's just noise. It's like, great, you gave me truth. Uh, thanks. I'll see you later. You're annoying. That's, that's in a sense what it's saying. Don't give truth in a way that's annoying to people. You have to, you have to give it with a sense that you genuinely love that person. You're genuinely concerned. Are we always concerned when we give truth to people? Right. It doesn't truth without love does not demonstrate Christ. So the message of the gospel is incomplete. And so, you know, I often ask myself the question, why so many people when I was younger that I shared the gospel with, how come they're not in church today? How come they're not following the Lord? It's because there was always something lacking. It was either love or it was truth. And, and so that, that's, a, that's a growing process for me. But at the same time, I think if I understood back then more about the gospel, I would have been more effective in sharing the gospel. Yes. Right. 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 It's so easy to try to manipulate a behavior rather than grow a relationship. Yes. They just have to learn a new Right. Right. And so Jim, when he said this, made it, it just it just clicked for me in my head. It just as clear as a bell. Love always involves sacrifice you know and i was like you know what you know it's it's and we and we talk about you know how we love our spouse and things like that it's it's easy to love someone you're attracted to and usually you're attracted to by things that you see and by uh by common interests so as long as nobody disagrees with me i love all of you <laughs> when you stand up and say um i don't think that's right ooh, back off you know, that's, that's our nature. That's our flesh. We don't want to get involved in, um, like, like the guy that I was just talking about with the Jehovah's Witness, um, we don't want to take the time to sit down at the table because we're impatient by nature, we're selfish by nature. I mean, those are all things that we have to fight against with the Word of God and the Spirit living inside of us um, to be effective uh, sharing the gospel. So when Paul leaves Thessalonica after three weeks, he's like, "Did I did I invest enough? Did I did do they have enough to continue on?" And so the question I and I asked myself this question at the same time as I as when I wrote this down, 
Did the gospel radically change your life? Did the gospel radically change your life? Okay. Not at first, yes. Yes, it did. So then the next question I ask, because as I look at the church in Thessalonica and how it changed their life, who knew it? Okay, you say should have. <laughs> so then if, if I, I say the, the gospel radically changed my life two years ago, and for the last two years nobody knew about it, did the gospel radically change my life? No. Because if it radically changed my life and I understood grace and I understood hell and I understood the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, people around me would have looked at me and said, you're different. Why? Because it was so important that everybody around me knew what I had just found. And that's the way it was like, that's what it was like in Thessalonica. That's what it was like when Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He, he was blind for three days, and when he got his sight back, what did he do? I want to be baptized. Is there any reason why I can't be baptized? And then he went where? Do you remember? He went right into the synagogue, and he started preaching, Jesus is the Messiah, and here's how I know. And he has changed, and they went, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's so. That's the guy who he came here. I know he's got letters. He's probably got them in his pouch. And he's just using this to get in here. And then he's going to capture us all. You know? <laughs> right. 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 And so. Right. So, and I've had people come to me and say, well, I'm not a Bible thumper. I'm, I'm like, Okay. Well, I don't, I don't thump on my Bible either, either but, I, but I want to ask the question. Do you read it? Well, once in a while. And so we're going to read somewhere in, I forget exactly where it's at. I think it's 2 Thessalonians, but he, he says, the reason people perish is because they refuse to love the truth. So during the tribulation, people are going to die and go to hell because... They're going to have exposure to the truth and they're going to go, I don't want to hear it. And we have that today. Um, if you want to find it, that, that'd be great. You can. Um, I know it's, uh, I believe it's in 2 Thessalonians. 2.10, yes, thank you. If we start in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And so it goes on to say that, that God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe uh, so that they will believe the lie. Are there any Gentiles that get saved during the rapture? Or during the rapture, excuse me, during the tribulation? Only those that help the Jews. A very few, right. 
So right now, that delusion is actually on the Jews. And during the tribulation, the Jews' eyes are going to be open and that, that hardening is going to come off the Jews and it's going to go on the Gentiles. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be impossible for Gentiles to believe, but the evidence of a, a following, a Christ-following Gentile is going to be that they're going to lay their life down to make sure that the Jews get the message, get the safety, get the protection that they need get the food, get, you know, all of the things that they need for basic survival as well as knowing who Jesus Christ is. That's a good question. I'll have to... Right. That's what I've always understood. Right, right. So there will be young Gentiles that may have never heard that do get to hear uh, for the first time. Um, and, and that's a good question. I'd have to do a little more research on that. Uh, but my understanding is, is if you have heard the gospel and you didn't make the choice to follow Christ, you made the choice. So like if, you're so, if you're, somebody is sitting on the fence and they don't choose to follow Christ, the rapture happens. They don't get to go, and they lose, and their opportunity is gone. Um, and so I'll have to do more research on that, though, so don't hold me to that. Um, but if we look, look back again at Romans 15, just real quickly, i got two more passages here to look at for today. Right, right, and it's even, it, it, when you read it like that, it's, it, it even makes us think that some of that is happening today. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly, what's that? Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're believing that, well, not everything in the Bible, you don't have to go by everything in the Bible, you know, I don't have to do all the things that are commanded, I don't have to... Uh, study the Bible because ignorance is bliss. If I don't know any better, then how can I be judged for that? Okay, so you get a you get a less hot place in hell. That's that's what you're saying, and I, maybe I can tolerate that. I don't think we have an understanding of hell then, if that's our if that's our attitude. So um, anyway, Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the, 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 the passage in First Thessalonians that we're talking about is that the Holy Spirit gives us all the power that we need. It gives us help in understanding the Scripture. It helps us to learn how to love people, love one another. Uh, and he does that by being our interpreter of the Scripture for us um, and, and doing helping us to do the research. Uh, so real quickly, 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 16, 
Paul is giving them an accolade again or a, an encouragement um, because of s- such powerful obedience in a short period of time and the effect, the effect of that obedience. He says, and we thank God continually because, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians, sorry, First Thessalonians 2.10. I jumped down too far. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this... In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. And so he's, he gives, he's giving them encouragement as well as helping them to understand the consequences of choosing to stand against Christ. And so when we see that, we'll, if, if we're followers of Christ, I think we can pretty much, it's safe to say that we can expect that that's the kind of treatment that we'll get and we can have the attitude of I can't handle this or we can have the attitude of praise be to God because we're doing what he wants and we're suffering the way Christ did and so sometimes that's hard to picture um, but uh, I think that's that's part of the teaching that goes along with it so right thank you for your attention <laughs> 